just think we were prepared. You know, one thing my uh, my trainer, he told me, he said, what did he say? He just told us to be prepared. It's always doubt with us every year. It's like, oh, well, the Saints can't do this because something or, you know, Drew's gone and it. I, I don't, I'm the wrong person to ask because I don't care. And I'm coming in every year to think that we're going to beat the shit. What up? Welcome back to Black and Gold BS, the uh, irreverent Saints podcast from Boot Crew Media. And dare I say, the best podcast about the Saints that no one listens to. Except for you. Who's yes. Listening to it right now. Indeed. So thank you. I don't thank know you if you, you as in me, Jacob, or you as in the royal you. Um, but either way. I'm Jacob Krasno alongside Sean Haspel. Allison is uh, MIA. Um, yeah, we had a draft this weekend. Um, I, for probably like the first time since before we drafted Ricky Williams, like I didn't watch a second of the draft. Um, not by choice, really. Um, the show I was working on wrapped on Thursday night and the first round was occurring as we were shooting the final scene of the season. So, you know, an emotional moment. Uh, I didn't want to miss being on the stage for that. So, uh, but I was following on my phone um, as we drafted Chris Olave and Trevor Penning. Um, and also while the Pelicans met their untimely demise. Um, but what, uh, how did you watch the draft, Sean? What are your general thoughts? And then we can get into the nitty-gritty of it. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, spent last Thursday night um, here, actually, where I'm recording from in my uh, man cave here in Phoenix. Um, had the uh, Pelicans-Suns game, uh, game six, on the, the big screen. Uh, watched the uh, prodigal son. Chris Paul, uh, whose uh, jersey you may or may not be able to see, is behind me on the wall uh, here. Uh, so lots of conflicting emotions as the uh, Suns uh, eliminated the Pelicans after a hard-fought effort by uh, New Orleans, but um, just wasn't meant to be this year, but very bright future for the Pelicans. Uh, Listen to all the great commentary uh, from Boot Crew, uh, media network folks like Propel's Talk and our friends over there for all your Pelicans analysis you could ever want or need. Um, but on the on the other TV, I had the first round of the draft going, and I was very happy that the draft, the first round of it at least, played out exactly like you and I thought and hoped that it might. Or, and would or could, as we outlined in our last uh, episode, the pre-draft pod. That's right, we, motherfuckers. We were we, right. We we called it. I mean, not to like pat ourselves on the back too much because it was pretty apparent to most observers of the Saints, both like within the fan base and like the the beat media uh, circuit, and then like national observers that the Saints' two biggest needs going into the draft uh, were in whatever order you choose to rank them, wide receiver and offensive tackle. Um, 
And it just so happened that that's the Saints agreed, or at least that's how their board played out. And they picked the two folks who were very commonly uh, linked to those positional needs, and Chris Olave, um, who they actually had to trade up for. Uh, I think they traded up to 11 to get him. And uh, Trevor Penning, um, uh, they obviously re- one of the two Ohio State receivers, and then the offensive tackle from Northern Iowa. Um, they stayed put at 19 for those picks. So um, I think those are the two names that uh, we mentioned specifically in our last pod. And, and uh, uh, aside from uh, having to trade up a little bit to avoid the run on wide receivers, um, that's exactly how it played out. So um, very excited about those two picks. Uh, I guess, yeah, let's just dive in, dive into it. Chris Olave is um, uh, a, the perfect running mate for Michael Thomas. Uh, another Southern California to Ohio State to the Saints wide receiver, um, but a very different wide receiver than Michael Thomas. Um, he's only about six foot, maybe, maybe 190 pounds. Um, not a very physical guy, uh, but he is a master route runner and is an absolute burner, um, like significantly faster than Michael Thomas. Uh, I think he's a sub four, four guy. So uh, I think they'll complement each other very, very well. Um, and, uh, al- almost kind of similar to, uh, how Brandon cooks being Brandon cooks last year with the saints and Michael Thomas's first year with the saints. Uh, they were able to both put up, uh, over a thousand yards. So, um, if we got that same production out of both of them this year, uh, I would say that would be a massive success. So, um, yeah. I think, yeah, I think Chris Olave is, uh, going to be key to our offense, um, in taking, uh, some of that, like helping, having those safeties kind of back out of, uh, the box that they were starting to creep into when we were playing in a phone booth so much the last couple of years, uh, whether that's because we didn't have um, like Drew Brees at his prime arm strength, or I uh, didn't have any weapons for Jameis to throw to really um, Chris Olave uh, is going to open up them some things and that will help the running game, even though he himself is not a strong run blocker. Um, he also is just, I mean, it goes without saying that like, one of the most important abilities for a wide receiver is the ability to get open. Um, but our guys like were not able to create separation last year. And Jameis is not known as like the most accurate quarterback to begin with. And he was not throwing to guys who were even close to being wide open uh, on so many plays. And if they were, it was because Sean Payton schemed him wide open. It wasn't because these guys were running like, master masterful routes like guys like Michael Thomas are known to do. So um, bringing another true technician like Chris Olave in, I think that's really going to help things for Jameis and uh, get things going. Yeah. It has the potential to completely change the offense. And, uh, yeah. Pretty like amazing, like first round in general, like I'm yeah. pretty ecstatic about Olave. Like Olave is, even though I said, and I stand by this, that offensive tackle was a more pressing need than wide receiver. Like Olave is awesome. And yeah. he's going to come in day one and start. Like if he's not starting, something's gone horribly wrong. 
Right. Um, and like, it took maybe like a minute of watching his, his highlights to be like, Oh yeah, this right. dude is really good. Like he looks, he looks like Alvin Kamara, like in the yeah. open field, like he's he just, very fluid and he doesn't look like he's running very fast, but he's like blowing by people and defenders kind of like, uh, just sort of bounce off of him the way yeah. that, like they kind of do to Kamara. Like he was a very, he, re- he reminded me a lot of, of AK. Um, yeah. Very similar, similar uh, uh, styles of movement. Um, so yeah, very awesome. Um, I have a massive, massive football boner for <laughs> Chris Olave in our offense. Um, Trevor Penning, love that pick. He uh, right. It's not as fun to watch film of like an offensive lineman. But I don't know. You and I were both O linemen in our back in our day, and like defenders like crumpled under this dude. Yeah, like, I know he played it. Is Northern Iowa even in like Division One? Yeah, they're uh, well, they're like an FCS school, so yeah. um, they they play like they're one double A or whatever you want to call them. But uh, my uh, my boss uh, here out in Arizona actually like played football there back in the day. And uh, so like he, but he like still watches the team a lot. And once once the saints got Trevor pinning, I like asked him about him. He's like, he's a total like baller, like absolute stud. So um, that's, that's always a good endorsement for sure. But yeah, Trevor pinning um, a kind of a, like a controversial uh, prospect in some circles because his tape is really solid. Um, obviously like his level of competition is not going to be, comparable to they did play iowa last year or iowa state i'm sorry okay yeah yeah top 10 right right um that's true so yeah like there's certainly some games that will flash but he's not going to be like a guy like evan neal or charles cross in the same draft who were going against sec d linemen every week um yeah and one uh, thing real quick like yeah there there was no other choice at offensive tackle like when he when we were up at 19 because Charles Cross had gone right before Olave did to the yes. Seahawks. So he was the really the only option. Right. Yeah. He he definitely was like the best remaining offensive tackle. I think yeah. that's the general consensus to say. Um, but uh he's he's a controversial prospect in terms of like he he's not exactly a technician per se. He's gonna take some uh refinement and uh he has the reputation um that has been somewhat earned as being a like penalty, like magnet. He's like definitely plays beyond the whistle and uh, might have a penchant for uh, in his like aggressiveness. He like is known to hold and like, just like ragdoll dudes and like dive on top of them. Uh, but he definitely has the mentality there and is a great run blocker. Um, I think in one of the, some like interview uh, ahead of the draft, he said that his favorite part of, playing football is being able to legally assault the person in front of you. So he was like a total <laughs> maniac and uh, like a total to maniac. That. Yeah. I mean, he's basically, I think going to be our version of uh, how, what's the name of the, the Bucks center who we all like hate and is like known for being a huge asshole, but oh, is like, yeah, really his name good. is a doo-doo McLoser face. Yeah. Doo-doo McLoser face um, who just re-upped uh, to protect Tom Brady again. But uh, Jansen, we, Jansen, right? Yeah, Ryan Jansen. Yeah, that's who it is. The guy with the hair. Um, but uh, okay. we, yeah, we need a little more more edge from our our O line. Uh, 
no pun intended, but, um, and uh, I think I'd read that Nick Underhill said that like, even though um, we did miss Teron Armstead quite a bit last year, uh, even like with and without him, uh, our uh, yards per carry for Alvin Kamara last year were like by far the lowest they ever had been. So I think that's a combination of missing Armstead. Um, and while like James Hurst might not have been a total disaster this year, uh, we really missed Armstead's run blocking value. Uh, but then also Andrews Pete uh, for all his warts is like a pretty damn good run blocker. So um, hopefully uh, Penning can come in. Maybe he doesn't start day one. Maybe James Hurst uh, holds down the left tackle spot uh, for at least the beginning of the year. And maybe it's like a Charles Brown situation before he passed the torch to Teron Armstead and Sean Payton. Uh, in well, I think Sean Payton, I think I've he- seen enough. That's, he, that's he cut said. he cut down uh, Charles Brown and the torch fell on the yes right exactly he was, he exactly well hopefully the the transition to penning whenever it occurs like isn't so needed urgently and it's it's truly because that he like has taken the job of Rizzo not because Hurst is a disaster next year but. Um, but yeah, and the and honestly, the the other thing was that uh, our O line coaching last year uh, was bad, um, as evidenced by the fact. I mean, the, the line didn't perform well, and obviously we had a ton of injuries. But uh, I, and I'm honestly forgetting the name of the guy who we promoted to be the coach last year, and then fired him once Dennis Allen took over. Um, I think he's now he went to the Chargers to uh, reunite with Michael Lombardi. I don't think um, anyone cares what his name is. Right. That's true. I don't know. Hey, hey, we got to cover all the bases <laughs> here. But I only brought up the O-line coaching situation because, um, uh, as we we mentioned, um, right after Dennis Allen's uh, hiring became official, that uh, Doug Marone was brought back to be our O-line coach. And for all his warts as a head coach uh, in his couple stops in, in Buffalo and Jacksonville, um, he's like university regarded as one of the better O-line coaches in all of football. Um, he obviously did really well at Bama last year. Um, and, uh, he absolutely should be a, a, a major plus there. Um, and, and also his former pupil, Zach Streif will be his assistant. Um, so hopefully the two of them can really kind of just mold Trevor Penning, uh, into a, uh, like perennial pro bowl caliber uh left tackle um and i love and and really kind of coach maybe like smooth his rougher edges let's just say um yeah i think i think kind of the best description of trevor penning um and maybe like to speak to the worry that some people might have that like he's too much of an asshole and is going to be a liability and is going to draw like multiple flags a game. Uh, I think Dennis Allen said in the uh, post first round presser that if, if a dog's going to bite, he's going to bite as a puppy and it's better to uh, have to, to coach him not to bite. So, um, because, because you can't teach someone to be a dog. They're they're, going to be uh, you either got it or you don't. And Trevor Penning clearly has got it. And it's better if we have to rein him in, than to have him be more passive and to try to coach up his coach up his aggressiveness. It's better to coach coach it down. So, um, so I'm excited. I think uh, Penning and of course Olave um, were 
like really solid picks and uh it's it's really kind of going back to the philosophy that we were optimistically that we were pushing for um in our pre-draft pod is surround we need more data points to decide whether Jameis Winston is potentially a long-term solution at quarterback and build out the infrastructure around him. And we're going to learn a lot this year about Jameis Winston. And if he's not, it's not like Chris Olave. It's not like we like get rid of Chris Olave and Trevor Penning if Jameis Winston's no good. No, we go find the quarterback to plug in for them. So um, right. like that infrastructure is going to be in place for whoever is our quarterback in the future. So yeah, um, yeah so I'm ex- excited there. Um, and then as a, as a corollary to that, kudos to the Saints for recognizing what we all as like this podcast, the larger fan base and most of uh, draft media and uh, apparently the rest of the NFL realized that like this quarterback class was terrible. Um, we passed on Malik Willis in the second round. Everyone did. Like, yeah. it's, it's crazy. I mean, you feel bad for a lot of these guys because I feel zero sympathy. They'll be millionaires. Yeah. That, that is true. That is true. It, it, it is just funny though, how there can be such like a, I mean, and this happens literally every year, not just the quarterbacks. Like there's certain prospects that like, draft media and like quote unquote anonymous scouts like collectively build up, but like somehow that reality, like the discourse is detached from like the actual reality of the, the way these like these given prospects are viewed by the actual teams who are making the draft picks. And like, the fact that Malik Willis could have been like was being mentioned as like a top ten pick, like by multiple outlets, and I mean he wasn't a lock to go there by most accounts, but the fact that it was even possible, like the gulf between being a top ten pick and being like a mid third round pick, is so wide. And um, yeah, I mean Kenny Pickett was the only quarterback taking the first round. He lasted till twenty, went to his like hometown Steelers, which is like a cool story, but. Uh, no quarterbacks win in the second and uh, just um, yeah, it's just, just a weird year for quarterbacks. So uh, like um, we'll see if any of those guys pan out uh, our, our hated uh, rivals in Atlanta um, pass on the hometown Malik Willis in favor of Desmond Ritter um, who looks like a 50 year old man. And um, he, yeah. he, he pledged to uh, win a Super Bowl for the Falcons. So uh, we'll all be able to laugh when he retires one day, having not been able to complete that mission. Yeah, it'll be fun in four years when he signs as a backup somewhere. And, yeah, uh, doesn't have a ring. Uh, yeah. So I, I want to say this about Trevor Penning because there has been discourse about how he's like a fringe first round pick and he's unpolished and all this stuff. And yeah. people thought maybe we we reached for him at nineteen, but like. I don't know. To me, that stinks of people like thinking too much about this and like they need to get out of their own heads and like and step into the real world. Yeah. Because like Mickey Loomis and the Brain Trust, you know, they don't draft projects in the first round. Like even Peyton Turner, who we yeah. have never heard of, literally never heard of the guy, played 
in his rookie year before he got right. hurt and like wasn't that bad. Yeah. Um and like okay, Ruiz hasn't been that good, but he wasn't regarded as like a project. Like we are drafting, we're using high draft capital on players that are either going to be given every chance in the world to play or they are going to play day one. Right. Like, I don't I I don't think they in the vision is not for Penning to just take a redshirt year and be like the tackle eligible. Like right. he's going to be given the chance to start. And right. this idea that he's, that because he needs like coaching, that means he's not worthy of being a first round pick or not worthy of starting is like, that's fallacious thinking. You're yeah. discounting the fact that, I mean, and you talked about this too. He's going to be coached before the season starts. Like, right. Just because he had issues in college doesn't mean he'll have them in the pros, especially if they're technical issues. Like they have like five months to fix these things. Yeah. I, I'm not worried. And honestly, like, I mean, for what for whatever it's worth, I'm I'm like willing to give the Saints brain trust, uh, both on the coaching and 100%. like personnel side, the the benefit of the doubt, especially yes. when it comes to to drafting O linemen, um, yep. Ru- Ruiz, our our most recent O line high draft pick, like is struggling, has struggled his first couple years. But uh, prior to that, I mean, Eric McCoy in the second round, like a potential Pro Bowler. Andrew Andrews Pete for all his warts, like a three time Pro Bowler. He was a first round draft pick. Ryan Ramchek, one of the best right tackles in the NFL, uh, first round pick. Um, He's he's phenomenal. Tron Armstead, we got him in the third round, I think it third was. Round. Third um, round, yes. Incredible, incredible. Uh, one of the best left tackles in the NFL. Um, yeah, the Saints are just good at drafting O-linemen. And um, we have some damn good O-line coaches. And I, I, Trevor, I, we, and we also don't need him to be our day one left, left ta- starting left tackle. Like, And I don't think it's a, it was a reach if he doesn't start till midway through the season. Like, It's okay. Like that's why you have a highly paid backup like James Hurst, who has been a starter for like good teams like the Ravens for like multiple years. So, yeah. um, like I, I'm not worried, and uh, he is a like possible, if not probable, future franchise left tackle, and that is what every team wants and needs. So, um, yeah, uh, I really can't say a bad word um, on like the whole about either of the saints two first round picks it's what we wanted them to do and they did it and i don't remember a i don't remember a first round the last time the saints had like a first round that i felt like so uniformly good about and like the majority of the smart fan base felt the same way so yeah um, the last time i was like super excited about our first round picks it was probably 2011 when we drafted yeah, and Cam Jordan. Right, yeah. And guess what? They both ended up being, like, franchise players. Yeah. Like, future Saints Hall of Famers. Cam yeah. Jordan, for sure, and probably Mark Ingram. Yeah. I guess, yeah, what was it? 20, 2017 was uh, uh, Lattimore and Ramchek, right? Right. Um, so, that, yeah. yeah. That, probably, that, that ended up being pretty good. But 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 even still, I, I feel like I, – I, I was personally excited about Lattimore, but I still feel like there were some people who maybe, like, wished we had taken a quarterback – uh, there in, instead of him, like obviously like Deshaun Watson and uh, Patrick Mahomes were like right around then. So 
Um, and there, and I, I, I remember like being a little unsure about Lattimore just cause he was having those hamstring issues at the time, um, that it like were reportedly at least back then pretty bad. Um, so I was, I, I thought it was a bit of a risk, but, um, I knew that if he stayed healthy, it was like one of those deals where like, if he's healthy, he's going to be friggin' awesome. And obviously yeah. he has been, I mean, he's the greatest cornerback in Saints history, uh, which is like not super high bar, but, um, he's cleared it nonetheless. So, um, so yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, we're getting off track, but like the Saints killed the first round in my opinion. And, uh, like that was, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see how much, uh, winning that leads to in the near and, and, uh, um, distant future. Right. You know, and there's also, we had to move up to, to get Olave and there's going to be people that whine about yeah, us giving up that's our true. third and fourth round picks, but I say, who cares? Yeah. Like at the end of the day, these are, you're trading futures. Like we don't know if these picks are going to amount to anything. And like, all I really care about is just having good players on the team. Right. And uh, we filled like the two most glaring holes in the first round with first round talents. Like you, we can't really ask for anything more than that. Yeah. Um, the rest to me is kind of just uh land yap. Um, right. I like, I, I didn't really care who we drafted after that. I mean, I still think we need a running back cause we didn't take one and, I know we'll get to this eventually. They seem to be high on this undrafted rookie from Baylor. Mm -hmm. um, but, like, I just uh, – I don't know. I, that one I'll have to see to believe. Yeah. Um, but in the second round, we took Alante Taylor. Is that his last name? Yeah, yeah, Alante um, Taylor from the Tennessee. cornerback from Tennessee. And then in the fifth round, we took DeMarco Jackson, the linebacker Great from name. Appalachian State. And then in the sixth round, we took – Jordan Jackson, another Jackson, the defensive tackle from Air Force. Um, it's it's interesting, like in the social media age, I feel like we know like way too much about these players, like immediately. Yeah. Like we just immediately like have access to all their highlights and like their social media. And I think it can be like good and bad. Like it's good to have all this information, all this intelligence. Um, but it also like maybe gets our hopes up that they're going to be something more than just like a fifth round pick. But I, all right. these guys, I mean, I don't think any, none of them was like a head scratching move. Like, yeah, I will never argue against drafting a corner because you can never have too many. Right. Like we lost Craig Robertson because he retired and like this guy's got Craig Robertson 2.0, the linebacker Jackson written all over him. And then the defensive tackle. I mean, we, we don't really have like a stud next to Onyemata. Yeah. So why not add a talented player in that yeah. group? Yeah. I, it, and it's also really funny because I think all five of these picks were like team captains on their respective teams. And so it's yes. like pretty, pretty funny that like the Saints clearly have a type, which is good. I mean, those guys are like, I don't know if there's any like, like new uh, statistical evidence to back this up, but you would assume that. Uh, guys who are regarded as like team team leaders, team captains at other respective college teams, um, have like the work ethic and the drive and the like mental acuity to like survive the the grind of the NFL, especially as as a rookie, um, and uh, just make it. 
through a camp and then make the adjustment uh, to the leap to the NFL. So, yeah, I mean, um, Alante Taylor, uh, yeah, we like just starting with him. Um, I think a lot of the confusion uh, around his pick was that this, the the probably the third biggest need um, that I think we we I don't remember if we spoke on it directly, but I think we actually probably did in, in our last pod. But uh, just generally among the consensus of Saints Twitter was that safety was a really big need um, with. Yeah, we need, um, we need us. We're going to be yeah. down our starting safeties probably the first couple right. weeks of the year. Right, right, right. Malcolm Jenkins uh, retired. Marcus Williams is a Baltimore Raven and Marcus May is going to almost certainly be suspended for some point um, this season for. If he doesn't a, miss time because of his Achilles injury. Yes. I was going to get to that. Yeah. He got, a, he got popped for a DUI. Um, at some point in 2021 and uh, he'll have to pay the piper there, but he also is recovering from a torn Achilles. So um, yeah, uh, safety depth is, is definitely needed. Um, and Alante Taylor, uh, it was, it was really interesting. Like he, he was listed as a cornerback, um, but the, uh, the ESPN broadcast that I was watching basically listed him as a safety. And it was like, I think it was Mel Kuyper was saying that like he's almost like convinced that um, he's going to be a great safety and and will be transitioned there in his pro career and a few other like uh, draft analysts um, were saying that about Taylor as well uh, after he got picked so but at the same time um, Taylor says he sees himself as a corner and uh, the, says the Saints told him he was going to be a corner and Dennis Allen in his uh, the post draft presser um, said that they see him as a corner as well so. Um, I don't know if that is like, I don't know if they, if if they do see him as a safety, like maybe they're like playing games because I mean, not to get ahead of ourselves there, they want to sign a safety, i.e. Tyron Matthew and don't want to like have any, uh, they don't want to like, uh, clutter the runway to making that happening, um, making that happen. But, uh, um, yeah, uh, Mickey Loomis in his post-draft pressers said that, uh, safety is still a very big need for us and um, that they'll probably look to sign someone. Um, and then Adam Schefter came out today saying that uh, Tyron Matthew, um, though he didn't leave the Saints facility uh, when he visited a couple weeks ago with a contract that the Saints are going to come after him uh, with an aggressive offer to make it happen um, after the uh, deadline, uh, the comp pick deadline expires. And I think it's uh, uh uh, 1 p.m. Monday. Yeah. On, Monday, on Monday, Monday at 1 p.m. On Monday. So um, if you're, I don't know when, if you're, when anyone's listening to this podcast, but um, don't be surprised if come Monday afternoon, Tyron Matthew uh, comes home and is an Orleans Saints, uh, not is an Orleans Saint, knock on wood, because uh, we think that would be awesome. Uh, Nick Underhill's basically been like teasing uh, it for like the last couple of days. Um, Mid draft, he basically like, was floating. He, the, he when he he writes articles like the Saints should do this, and then when he like knows that like they're probably going to do something like to make him seem like even smarter than he is. Which I mean, he's he's the best. Like he's the king of the beat, and like I bow down at the altar of Nick Underhill, like for sure. But um, his the way his like style is is pretty pretty great. So definitely like you have to read what he writes, um, and really do, he was like throwing out like contract numbers. Retiring today, I think he's expecting something like nine million a year plus like incentives potentially. So like, if 
I would not be shocked. Like, and I'm, I'm hoping it happens that we sign Tyron Matthew um, to uh, a deal tomorrow. And if the numbers are 9 million a year, you just got to tip your cap to Nick for working his sources. So yeah, um, I think somebody's probably giving him this information. Oh, for sure. For sure. He's not pulling it out of nowhere. He's very he's much cultivated. Uh, he, yeah, he's, uh, you know, finding, finding a way to get it out there without. For sure. For sure. Him. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, that'll bring me so much joy if we sign Honey Badger. Like yeah. until, until Joe Burrow came into our lives, Tyron Matthew was the greatest college football player I've ever witnessed play. Yeah. Like, I I had never seen in person a player impact games the way he did. He was the heart and soul of the 2011 LSU team that yeah. should have won the national championship and his, has subsequently been the heart and soul of pretty much every team he's played for. Yeah. That. His his 2011 season um is definitely is I can't remember a uh better like college defensive back season than Tyron Matthews 2011 season. Um, yeah, uh, I don't know. If just it... he impacted the game like so different ways: force fumbles, fumble recoveries, picks, sacks, kick returns, punt returns. Like he, he did everything. It was it was incredible. Um, yeah, and... I, I, I don't know. I don't think he listens to this, but Ronnie Vinson, if you're out there somewhere, old friend, <laughs> he's he's the reason why we have the Honey Badger. That's true. Our former Newman teammate, Newman teammate went to LSU, played a lot as a freshman in front of Honey Badger on the death chart. Got hurt. Tyron Matthew played in like a bowl game against Texas A&M. And uh, Ronnie was never seen on the field again. I saw Ronnie post on LinkedIn, though, um, earlier today. So like he's, he's killing it in the corporate world. So um, yeah, shout I think, out, I shout think out to Ronnie. Happy. Hope you're doing well. Yeah, um, yeah man. But uh, but yeah, I mean, Tyron Matthew. Um, I know we're kind of like verging, uh, diverging away from the draft uh, a little bit. But um, but yeah, I mean, I think he would bring uh, obviously the like, veteran leadership um, that we need to replace with Malcolm Jenkins leaving. Uh, the fan base will obviously love him for his like New Orleans roots and LSU um, uh, playing days. Uh, but then also he brings uh, like Underhill mentioned in his article that like he brings a lot of scheme versatility. Um, he can play in the slot. He can play free safety, a little bit of strong safety. And um, if you have uh, Tyron Matthew playing with Marcus May and uh, CD Deuce, who also bring those those uh, aspects of versatility, um, the three of them combined can uh, be moved around by chess pieces on the board. And like you know that our defensive back brain trust of – uh, Chris Richard and, and Dennis Allen and uh, some of the other folks on on that side of the ball are going to have so much fun disguising coverages and sending these guys on blitz from on like blitzes and stuff and uh, it's really yeah. going to make uh, life hell for uh, all all opposing quarterbacks. So um, I hope they get it done and 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 we'll see what happens. But um, yeah, Alante Taylor, I. I, I just think you can't you can't knock drafting a cornerback that high, um, right? Because eventually someone's going to get hurt. Like you're going to need bodies in the secondary. Yeah, and it's going to be nice to be able to insert like a really talented player. Um, For sure, and someone goes down. Yeah, absolutely. Um, for injury injury insurance, but also um, uh, 
the sophomore also, slump. Tyron Matthew may not be, yeah, that too. But like, yeah, real, like Tyron Matthew may not be like if we sign him, he may only have a couple years left, and then right, you got to yeah, him. he's he's twenty nine, thirty years old, and um, if like uh, yeah, I like kind of like teased this earlier, but maybe Alante Taylor like is moved to safety uh, in a couple years and is able to kind of su- succeed Tyron Matthew. But uh, but yeah, so I, like I was saying. Um, Paulson and Debo played awesome this past year and was like the best CB2 the Saints have had. Well, I don't know. I mean, Jack Rabbit Jenkins was was pretty damn good um, when he came in. And uh, but regardless, like for a rookie, uh, Paulson was amazing. Uh, and um, ironically, it was like the only player we had who played in all 17 games um and the only unvaccinated player and like didn't get covid and stuff so that's funny but well, uh, we don't sophomore- know if he yeah. was unvaccinated we never confirmed that oh that's true maybe it was just more of a meme but regardless um he played great as, as a rookie but uh the sophomore slump is a real thing um especially for dbs uh marshawn Lattimore suffered from it uh he regressed pretty like substantially from his awesome pro bowl um rookie uh defensive rookie of the year uh campaign um he's really struggled his sophomore year and since uh bounced back uh from then and like it's is awesome but uh i think bringing on alante taylor to uh push paulson adebo if not to pr- provide that insurance in case he does slip or like if he's injured um right now i mean we we still have bradley roby we brought him back on i think that he took a pay cut actually to come back um, but, uh, I think those are both, uh, great, um, great insurance policies for, for injury and they can both play in the slot too. And I mean, we're a base nickel defense, so we're going to have five, a lot of times six DBs on the field, um, basically a hundred percent of our defensive snaps. So, um, it's good it's good to uh to have the guys there i mean we'll have pj williams also um but uh i think uh signing tyron matthew and then i think we also signed a quite a few undrafted free agent dbs we'll see if any of them make the team but um yeah i i don't have a problem with the alante taylor pick at all all right is there anything you want to say about the other uh two draft picks yeah um i mean uh, the the Jackson twins, I think they were referred to as. Um, it's 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 hard to get too excited about fifth and sixth round picks. It's it's possible they make the team. Um, uh, as they would have to. I mean, uh, Demarco Jackson is that his name? Demarco Jackson. Demarco Jackson's the linebacker. Demarco yeah. Jackson, the linebacker from uh, Appalachian State. Uh, it's possible he makes the team as a special teams uh, player. Um, I don't think he's gonna be really expected to like start at all this year i know we've got like some of our backup linebackers like what is it like andrew dowell and like chase hansen or someone i i don't know he might maybe he pushes those guys for special team snaps um and ultimately their potential like roster spots um the defensive lineman from uh from air force uh, he put up some great numbers i think it was like seven sacks i think last year which is great for an interior d lineman um but uh, we'll see if he can if he can push some of those uh, second and third string uh, D tackles that we have. So um, not a ton to get excited about from those guys. Um, I mean, we'll we'll see. Maybe they pan out, but that's what training camps for. So um, yeah. Do you want to? Uh, yeah. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, 
other none other than just they would be pleasant surprises if they did work out. Yeah. Especially the guy from Air Force seems like a, a smart fellow in the Air Force, civil engineering major. Um, you never know. Maybe these guys yeah. have something intangible that all the draft Knicks missed. Uh, or at least that's the hope. Um, yeah, the undrafted free agent class. There's a couple. Well, there's one very interesting name, uh, Smoke Monday. Yeah, yeah we, like, we signed a, a Saints meme before yeah. the draft even started. Right. Um, but there's a couple. Like, he actually might be, like, the most likely one to make the roster because he is a safety. And he's like pretty good. Uh, had a lot of experience at Auburn. Um, obviously, the running back from Baylor. He's gonna have a, as much of a shot as anyone to make the team. And also the tight yeah. end, Luke, Lucas Krull. Yeah, some incredible names. Name. Oh, no, let's not forget. Um, I don't remember his first name, but there's an offensive lineman whose last name is Dox Tater. Yes, D O X Tater, which is just oh, what a name. I've never heard that name before. Dox Sage, Sage Doxtator, six foot seven tackle from New Mexico State. He sounds like one of the. There was like a screenshot of a Japanese SNES baseball game that like went viral a few years ago. It, it sounds like one of the names that was on the team. Um, yeah, we have some truly incredibly named undrafted free agents coming in. Um, Jack Corner, who is actually a safety from Iowa. Um, Derek Schweiger, offensive lineman from Iowa State. Lucas Krull, a 6'6", 260 tight end from Pittsburgh. That was another position, actually, that um, I know the Saints happy hour guys were really harping on, that uh, our tight end depth is like so much unknown right now, and uh, yeah, they really wanted us to take one. Maybe Krull can flash a little bit, but um, I wasn't super worried about tight end this year just because I know we don't have like a hardcore go-to guy like we did for so many years with um Jared Cook. I forgot his name. Uh Jared Cook and obviously Ben Watson and then uh I mean the great Jimmy Graham uh for so many years before him. Shockey before that. Just shockey before him. Um Sh- Jeremy Shockey who begat uh, <laughs> uh <laughs> All those guys, but Jeremy um, Sharkey, blonde of hair, first oh of his name, God. doer of ecstasy at the Republic. Allegedly, I don't know, remember all those stories, but they call him Sharkey the dehydrated, the dehydrated. But, um, but yeah, I mean, we have so many like guys who could pan out, you know. I, I'm still not giving up on, on Troutman, um, and right. uh, I, I'd love to see what, uh, Taysom Hill can do with a full full season prepping for tight end under his belt. Um, yeah, who knows? But, maybe uh, Taysom Hill is going to be a Pro Bowl tight end. Maybe We're just discounting him. We'll see. For well, no other reason but our own bias. Lucas Krull. Um, gosh, some other uh, incredibly named guys. Rashid Shahid, wide receiver from Weber State. That is an incredible name. Like that. That name just sounds like someone who's fast as shit. Rashid Shahid runs like a four one five, um, but uh, we'll see if he's not shitty. But uh, we also signed uh, Nephi Sewell, who is Panay Sewell's brother, um, mm. linebacker from Utah. Uh, 
his he's doesn't have great size. He's like 5'11, 226. So definitely a bit of a fire hydrant thumper. Um, but uh like certainly has the family pedigree there and was really productive actually at, at Utah on a really good defense um the last couple of years. But uh we'll see if he makes any noise at camp. Um the aforementioned Smoke Monday. Uh, safety from Auburn, which, as we mentioned, is definitely a position of need. Um, maybe he pushes some of these um, special team only safeties uh, off the roster. Um, he definitely endeared himself to the fan base. Um, <laughs> shortly after we we signed him uh, yesterday, um, that being Saturday after the draft, um, he like a born and raised Atlanta native was like driving through uh, hot Atlanta. Um, taking a video of Mercedes-Benz Stadium going, uh, y'all are going to hate playing me twice a year, just like talking shit about the Falcons, like about his like hometown team. And he was like wearing a Drew Brees jersey or something. And uh, just he seems like he's totally hyped and bought in, which is like awesome to see from a guy uh, who already was had the interest of the fan base with his badass name. Um, so He's already a legend. He's already a legend. So, I mean – Let's. I, I'm trying to temper my my excitement there. He probably won't even make the team, but um, he'll always. We'll always have uh, the Saturday and Sunday of Smoke Monday. So, um, and then yeah, last but not least, uh, the aforementioned Abram Smith, running back from Baylor. Um, he's a guy who, like, I mean, I watch a lot of Big Twelve football, uh, given my uh, cursed fandom of uh, t- my Texas Longhorns. But um, Abram Smith is a guy who. Uh, came to Baylor as a, as a running back, didn't really crack the rotation much his first few years, actually moved to linebacker in 2020, uh, in 2020 and uh, had like 48 tackles. Um, so like played power five linebacker, um, but then was moved to running back uh, for 2021 and finished with like 1600 yards and um, like uh, 12 touchdowns uh, last, this past season and uh, was second team big 12 um, only because Brees Hall, um, who was the first running back taken in this draft, uh, was like absolutely a monster stud for the last couple of years in that conference. So um, Abram Smith, yeah, uh, as Underhill pointed out, he, he was in a, a heavy uh, zone blocking scheme at Baylor, um, which fits really well with how the, the, the Saints like to run. Um, they didn't throw him the ball much at all. So a uh, big question mark there is whether he can – uh, replicate uh, that facet of our offense, but um, I'm certainly intrigued. And obviously, the Saints are. I think it was reported that they gave him like a $220,000 uh, UDFA deal, which is a ton of money uh, for a UDFA. So, yeah, um, they see something in that guy. They definitely see something in that guy. And uh, um, I don't know if we'll actually sign uh, a, a guy to potentially be running back three, or if we really are comfortable having Abram Smith uh, tried to unseat Tony Jones Jr. But um, I know we had mentioned maybe uh, bringing uh, Darrell Williams, uh, formerly of, I think it was John Arrett and uh, LSU um, home. Fat Darrell. Uh, free agent, Fat Darrell. Uh, Let's add Fat Darrell to the name mix. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he, he, I think he would be a great running back too, but obviously, um, the I, I if if we have to save spend that money on bringing Tyron home or potentially maybe even a, a Jarvis Landry we haven't mentioned him 
uh, yet this pod, but uh, um, I, I'd rather spend that money there. Um, I don't know. What are your What are your thoughts, kind of in general, on uh, the UDFA class and maybe um, where we might go uh, to round out the roster? Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, we don't know anything about these guys. I'm sure once camp starts there will be like a name or two that we don't expect that's going to pop up as right. someone that flashes on the field. There's always one or two every year. Um, yeah. It seems like we've got decent guys at the positions of need, at least camp bodies that, you know, they'll be given a chance like Lucas crawl and Abram Smith. I feel like fat Daryl would be like the most one-to-one replacement for Camara if he's to miss time. Yeah. Um, I mean, Ingram Ingram has some skills in the passing game, but, like, we don't really know oh, what's sure. left. Right. And, like, Fat Daryl is a – he's a good pass-catching running back. Like last year he had, like, an incredible, like, 40-yard bomb touchdown catch. He, like, went up and stole the ball from the defender. Like, he's yeah. – he's, they call him Fat Daryl, but he's really not fat. Like, he's, he's a good running back, and that would probably be my choice, uh, you know for a Camaro replacement. Um, yeah. I mean, sign, he had, uh, sign all the LSU players. We have like $30 yeah, I mean, million dollars in cap space. Darrell Williams was like great last year. Um, I mean, he's been with the chiefs the last four seasons, uh, won a super bowl with him. Himself, played, uh, an undrafted free agent, I believe. Right, right. Exactly. Um, he didn't, he has, he's played in every game uh, in the regular season. The last two years uh, actually had a thousand yards and, uh, from scrimmage this past year, which, and eight touchdowns. Um, so like a very, very productive player. Um, interested to see what his, his market looks like. Um, and maybe, I mean, he would be an incredible um, running back three, uh, depending on what his price point is. So, um, but, uh, like, but we'll see there. Yeah. There's a scenario in which Kamara gets suspended for multiple games or gets hurt, you know, in some unfortunate Right. on field accident and Ingram doesn't have fresh legs anymore. And then suddenly like you don't have a dynamic running back. Like what if Abram Smith like really isn't usable in the passing game? Maybe he can catch the ball. Maybe he has the athleticism to do that. But what if he's just not a good pass blocker? Like we right. need another veteran back there. And I think Daryl Williams would fit that need um, quite neatly. I love it. I love it. Yeah. And then like, as we mentioned, um, even though we're all really excited about Chris Olave and think he and Michael Thomas are going to be a great wide receiver one and two duo, um, bringing in a guy like Jarvis Landry, um, who has been tied to the saints, uh, this free agency cycle would be amazing. Uh, if, if the money's right, obviously goes without saying, but, um, if Jarvis Landry, even at this stage of his career, would like age and some injury questions are um, circling around him, if he's your wide receiver three, uh, this that the Saints wide receiver room goes from being like arguably its biggest weakness to one of the best wide receiver rooms in the whole NFL. So, yeah, um, sure. yeah like uh, for all of our frustrations with. Uh, guys like Marquez Callaway and Deontay Hardy last year. If those guys are your wide receivers four and five instead of your one and two, then like 
you're friggin' cooking with gas, brother. Like, um, you got man, stew so, baby. yeah. Uh, so, so we'll see how, um, how, how Mickey and, and company, uh, finish out this off season, uh, personnel wise, but, um, the saints are close, very close to getting back to like being true contenders on paper, at least going into the season. I mean, like, and I feel like we're repeating ourselves from previous pods, but given the, the landscape of the NFC, like we're a few moves away, man. I, I and and like competent Jameis play, obviously that goes without saying, but um, uh, we'll see. Yeah. I'm excited. This draft's got me excited, man. Same here. Um, I feel like this is a topic for another day. Um, but like the, the corner of the saints fandom that really was beating the drum for the saints to draft a quarterback, the, the people that are out there that still aren't convinced. Cause now like it's beyond the shadow of a doubt that Jameis's team for this year, at the very least, there's no, absolutely no doubting that. Like if you didn't right. have confidence in him, like, I don't know, what were you looking at last year? Like he right. wasn't Drew Brees, but we were five and two. He had no weapons. He threw fourteen, no. he threw five touchdowns, and no O line, no O line. Like, um, he had nothing to work with last year. And if we have even average injury luck on the line and our skill group, and like bringing in new blood like Pinning and uh, Chris Olave um, and Knockingwood, maybe a Jarvis Landry, like. He he'll have the weapons and and like it's I know he's he's recovering from uh, his ACL surgery, but uh, by all accounts that's like progressing well and um, it'll it'll be up to Jameis. So uh, I'm excited to see how it plays out. Like I want him to have a fair shot to be the guy, and if he's not, I I, I want us like well, I want the organization within us as a fan base to like like you know like he had his shot, he's not the guy. Let's move on. Or it's like you know like. He's he might not be like an all pro quarterback, but like maybe he is that guy who like if you put pieces around him, Matt Matthew fucking Stafford just won a Super Bowl. Like Jameis Winston can be Matthew Stafford. Like I'm pretty convinced he can be Matthew there Stafford. There were times this year that Stafford was actively bad, like was aggressively bad, throwing he threw like, horrible a couple horrible in, in the Super Bowl. In the Super Bowl. He threw some mind-numbing interceptions and like did not have a, a, a like flawless playoff run to say the least. But he got the job done, was surrounded by obviously like an elite, like elite uh, playmakers on his defense. Um shout out to the Rams defense, like some some true ballers over there. And then like no, had, fuck them. no shout outs. <laughs> yeah, I know, fuck them, but they're good. But uh Cooper Cup and obviously Debatable. like I mean, like guys ended up getting hurt um on their on their offense too, but um Yes, he a true game manager quarterback who like can like flash moments of brilliance every now and then. James, I believe Jameis Winston can be that guy, but we'll have to find out. So, um, and and I think that's what our at least first round of this draft uh, was was all about. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. Lots of yeah, moves, uh, some moves left to be made, but um, I think we can feel good about what we we brought in from the draft let's tie up some uh 
some some loose ends uh, in on this like back into free agency and uh, get ready for uh, for training camp. Yeah, there's reason to be excited. Reason to be for optimistic. Sure. Yeah. All right, I'm hungry sure. and I want to eat some ice cream and watch some cartoons. So, uh, Sean, do you have a, a Maker's Mark ad read? Yeah. Yeah, Maker's Mark. It's the the whiskey that you solemnly pour out for um, all of those quarterbacks who saw their first-round dreams go slowly down the drain. But, you know, maybe you guys will make it successfully somewhere else, just hopefully not Matt Corral in Carolina and Desmond Ritter in Atlanta. Maker's Mark, the official sponsor of Black and Gold BS and Boot Crew Media. All right. For Sean Haspel, I'm Jacob Krasno. This has been Black and Gold BS, the Reverend Saints podcast from Boot Crew Media. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at our respective handles, at Sean Haspel and at Jacob Krasno on Twitter. Um, that's the one that really matters. Uh, don't creep on our Instagram pages because that's weird. All right. Until next week. Who dat? Who dat? Who dat?